You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Well, Dana, Corey, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. So you're a business strategist, you're a coach, you're a lot of other things. You have lots of titles, mother, lover, entrepreneur, explorer, seeker. You've given yourself lots of titles, but primarily what you do vocationally is you coach business executives around different themes. Is that accurate? Yeah. So I coach mostly CEOs, Mm -hmm. the primary or principal owner of a business, Okay, right? Who is kind of straddling the space between being Mm self-employed like the self-employed business owner right and being the ceo leader of a business that actually can grow ah so like Um, scalability then yeah scalability because growth is not always about scaling Mm -hmm. you can grow in other ways but yes mostly scaling sometimes selling sometimes they're just they're growing because they want to scale and see what they can make of their business Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're always the one in the in that crease. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, let's start with just what in the world got you interested in helping people or business CEOs. When we say CEOs, it sounds like business owners, whether you're a solo entrepreneur all the way up through running a large corporation, but why on earth are you a business coach? Well, there's so many reasons, Matt. <laughs> so first of all, I grew up in an entrepreneur's household. My father was a business owner. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was a business owner. And as my husband says, I have generations of peddling in my DNA from, you know, the shuttle all the way. So that's, I think, why business is in my blood. Mm -hmm. When I was 27, I promised that I would never work for anybody else. Mm -hmm. And now I went on for 10 years to have a family and kids. The first business I did was to get out of the house, get away from my kids. (laughs) Right. And I did what many women do. I did party plan, damper chats, and I did that for a while. What I found is that coaching, you know, when you're in that industry as a career, not just for a little extra money, mm-hmm. it's not just about what you sell, but really about helping other people sell mm-hmm. and build businesses. Mm-hmm. And by the time I finished my 16-year run in direct sales, I had helped over 250 women mm-hmm. start businesses, grow businesses. And I just love, I love coaching. I'm really good at it. And I mm-hmm. really love it. I have this theory. That we love the things we're really good at. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, right? Because we feel great when we do mm-hmm. them. And so that's what I ended up here. Oh, excellent. And then typically when you're working with business owners, is there a general theme or something that you're typically focused on to help that business? I mean, why is a business owner, I guess, engaging with you or engaging in what you do? Whether it's you or someone else, why is a business owner typically coming to a coach? 
the business owners that come to me are really coming to me because they can see growth. They can taste it and they can see that it's possible, but they keep bumping up against either this or that, this or that. And then they, most of them, not all of them get to this point, but most of them get to this point where, oh, it's me. Mm. I can't get out of the way enough for my business to grow. And I don't know how to get out of the way. If I don't hold it together, the thing will fall apart. Or I don't have enough time left in my day because I'm doing all the things. Or I don't know how to hire the right people. Every time I hire, I get burned. What do I do? So they know that they're the ones who are stopping the growth, but they don't know how to get out of it. And how I help them is twofold. One is I've had years and years of experience with hands-on business tactics and strategy. Like do this for action-based stuff, right? But also I've had four decades of study into how the brain works. I did neurobiology in college and I'm fascinated by the way our brains work. And so I work a lot with internal workings of how we experience and interpret the world in which we live based on the unconscious structures that we have built both from DNA and from our family and from experiences. We can't vocalize them, but they're there and they they decide how we act in the world. And oftentimes when that happens, or we all have it, it's human rights, what happens to all of us. There are patterns that we have or ways of thinking that really do help us get to where we want to be, but there are others that keep us from getting to where we want to go. And so I help people figure out how to see the world in a different way, see their world in a different way. And which is, right, if you want, I was actually just listening to a, a clip on YouTube this morning. It was actually Tony Robbins was somebody had sent me this clip of different talks Tony had given. And he was talking about if you want different results, you have to be a different person to get different results, right? In a way. And he didn't say different person, but in essence, you got to change your physiology. And, and I know change is hard because we get ingrained in our patterns. We get ingrained in our own neurological patterns, right? In our brain. And so he talks a lot about physiology, right? We've got to do physical things differently to get different outcomes. Otherwise, we're just stuck in this mental rut, I guess. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. Because when you when you move differently, when you use your body in a different way, you're also rewiring the neurons in your brain. Oh, I used to do it all this way, but now I'm doing that. As you adjust the physiology, your synapses, like the way the electric impulses go mm-hmm. from one neuron to another, Right. They start to shift. They become more malleable and you're more available to then see other ways that in behavior that don't have a physiological aspect. This is why when there's a crime and there are 10 onlookers, mm-hmm. everybody has a different experience of what happened mm-hmm. and they will describe it differently to, you know, detectives or whatever mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. because they're seeing what's happening through a lens that they don't even know is there. Right. Just as you're speaking, you know, I'm relating, obviously I'm looking through my lens, so I'm relating it to the different things. You know, I've really in the last 30, 60 days really shifted or tried to shift my physiology. Physiology, is that right? I'm I'm more than intentionally and more than. So for me, that's like, you know, intermittent fasting. And uh, so I'm, seeing if what happens chemistry wise I'm playing with that cold plunges is another thing that I've actually found a lot of value in 
And I know that's kind of the thing now. I mean, I know I'm not, this isn't, some people have been doing this for years, but there's this whole trend now over the last maybe 12 months or 18 months where people are like, there's like, I'm on a Facebook group and there's, I don't know, a hundred thousand people that are talking about cold plunges, right? Uh, trying yoga. That's another thing I'm trying that I never really did before with some regularity to try to tune the body more to energy and to frequency. Hiking is another thing I've been doing more, more intentionally every day. And I am noticing that for the most part, I'm having more clarity, I guess is the way I would say that. More clarity and maybe more options in my thought patterns than I would have before. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, I think if you're listening to this podcast right now or watching this on YouTube, wherever you're tuning in, first of all, I certainly appreciate it. We can week out do these podcasts because we hopefully are adding value to your life. And that's why we do them. You know, if you're listening, I think that would be one message that I really want the listeners to take away is if you want something different, if you want it bad enough, you got to do something physically, right? Not just mentally, but physically to change whatever you're getting currently, if that makes sense, or whatever you're doing. And I'll let you uh, polish that statement if you want to. Well, it's interesting because I don't necessarily think you have to do something physically. I think that's mm -hmm. a pathway. Oh. Mm -hmm. But like another pathway is language. Right. We mm -hmm. use language in certain ways because we're so used to the way we speak. We often don't touch ourselves when we're describing either ourselves or describing a situation, seeing that it's actually framing the way we're experiencing that situation. Internally, we believe that our way of looking at the world or our way of looking at, at situations or our way of interpreting behavior is the right way. Because we didn't think it was the right way when we would look for other ways. But mm -hmm. for most of us, we believe that our way is the right way. <laughs> right. And that's not bad. That's human. Okay? Right. That's, that's mm -hmm. just normal. There's no space between what we think and what's happening out there in the world. Like it's all one as far as we're concerned. And sometimes we think of it as the truth with a capital T. Mm -hmm. What I really help people do is create a space between them and their interpretation, mm -hmm. between them and their experience. And oftentimes I use language. I'll point out to them, oh, you're, you know that you're calling it this? Mm -hmm. Well, if you stop calling it that, and started maybe calling it this instead, you'd see there'd be a little bit more movement there for you, like mm -hmm. some more freedom there. You wouldn't feel so locked in. Another thing that I often do too is I'll say, okay, well, cool, that's great. Here's how you know if something is the truth with a capital T. There's only one way. And that is if every human being on the planet believes that, then it's definitely fixed with a capital T. So like gravity it's right, a was just theory, right? Right. right? However, it doesn't matter where you are on the planet. If you drop something, it's going to fall. If you let go of something, it's going to right. fall. Right. Gravity is like incontrovertible. It's mm -hmm. true. Mm -hmm. That is not true for most of what we believe. Mm -hmm. And so I will start out by saying, oh, well, that's an interesting interpretation. Our default often is to interpret things the worst way possible mm -hmm. because it's connected to our biological imperative to flee saber-toothed tigers <laughs> is to always look for the worst thing. Mm -hmm. So we, that's what we do, right? So I'll say that's a really interesting way of looking at it. What's another way you could possibly look at it? What might somebody else think about that? And we'll go to the totally absurd 
to the completely credible and just make up like 10 to 15 different ways of interpreting something. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, so why don't you pick one that works for you instead of one that doesn't work? And just the ability to come up with other interpretations, again, gives them some space. Of course. Yep. Well, I don't know. Lately, I've been contemplating on several things, but one of them is it seems like we're feeling an emotional creatures. It seems like we're always chasing a feeling or we're always motivated by a feeling. And it doesn't matter how cerebral we are or not. There's even feelings in just thinking about, I mean, it's like, okay, I want a new car. Why do I want the new car? I'm trying to get a feeling. Why do I want to exercise? I'm trying to get a feeling, right? A feeling of being healthier, a feeling of being more vibrant. There's always, always these things. And it's like, okay, so to your point, what story am I going to tell myself to get the results that I want in that moment? So it's okay if I say, you know what, I want to feel more vibrant. So therefore I'm going to go ahead and work out today when I don't feel like working out because I want to feel more vibrant and, and using that story for motivation versus using a story of, well, I don't feel good today. So I'm, I'm not going to work out. I'm going to do something else. It's not a big deal. So I could tell myself a story, an empowering story or a disempowering story. And I think then in that decision is the free will, right? To choose, am I going to tell myself an an empowering story or a disempowering story? Exactly. Yeah, totally. It's always a choice. But oftentimes we don't think we have a choice in how we interpret things. Right. We think that just is how it is. I don't think that you have to have a coach, right? I'm right. a coach. Yeah. You yeah. don't have right. to have a coach. Mm-hmm. Many people will get to where they want to go without a coach. Generally, they get there slower, but they'll right. get without a coach. Where coaches are invaluable is that they can get you kind of taking it back to what you were talking about, to be a, a different person or a different version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Someone that can hold something bigger because you have instructions about being human. They're written on the back of your head under your hair. Like you can't see them. Right. You don't know what they are. So it takes somebody else to be able to see that. And I think that that is really the value of where coach stands. Mm-hmm. Is that is perspective? The yeah. The other thing that you said too is about physiological and, mm-hmm. and moving in a different way. Mm-hmm. Once a year, I take CEOs overseas for a week, for what I call an expansion experience. The whole point being to get them out of their daily routine. And it's a little bit uncomfortable, so I don't take people to places that everybody goes. Like, we don't go to Italy, right? We don't go to France, <laughs> although that would be lovely. Yeah. Like, we go to Morocco. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, this year, we're going to Oaxaca. We've been mm-hmm. to Portugal um, before all the crowds got there. We want to be just a little discomfited. And we immerse ourselves in the culture that we're there so that everything shows up differently. What's fascinating is when everybody goes home, all of a sudden their businesses take off because they've, A, reignited that creative visionary that was there because their brain is no longer focused on do this test, do this test, do this test. Mm -hmm. And they've seen how other people in other cultures handle very similar challenges. Mm -hmm. what they're having and they can bring that back but mostly they've cleared out so much clutter because they're not carrying around all that stuff we carry around when we're in a routine right yeah and that's i mean i you know obviously that's why people maybe don't consciously know but a lot of times people take vacations to try to do that right to get in a different environment to clear the head to de-stress 
It's just how do we incorporate those same principles into our everyday life so that we're kind of, in essence, living on vacation or at least having that mindset as much as we can versus having to wait for a week a year or four weeks a year or the next vacation to feel rejuvenated or refreshed or different thoughts or different things. So what would be some ways that, you know, you coach people to kind of help stay in that cleared out mindset or that more vibrant type mindset? I think one of the biggest things I teach and talk about is about time. So there's two aspects of time. There's the time you have. Well, that's where we start, right? Which is time management. How do you make a calendar that actually works for you, that takes into account how your brain works, that takes into account that you don't want to be working 12 hours a day? That might have been okay when you were starting your business, but in the length of life that you have, it's not healthy. It's not fun. And that's not why you became a business owner, was to work all the time. So there's that. And gives you the freedom to be creative, to be expansive. So we start off with an empty calendar and we start with figuring out what priorities are really, what are the priorities here? Mm -hmm. What are the most important things? And then we figure out how to, a combination of time blocking and deep work project working, Mm -hmm. which is also a way of time blocking. You know, we all have different brains. So what works for the way my brain works is different from the way that your brain works. So if I were to hand you a calendar that said, okay, I want you to do these things in this order on these days of the week, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to do them because your brain is like, I don't work that way. So I start off with my clients with a template and we kind of work on the beginning template, like what's going to work. We identify different categories of work. We identify personal priorities. We make sure they're exercising during the week. We make sure they're eating. Talking how many people pretend to eat at a desk while they're working. That's, you know, you got to get up and go eat. Right. Um, and we fit the work around the things that are, are important to be as a human. Mm-hmm. And then they go out and try it. They live their calendar and they come back with, okay, I did these things, but I didn't do this. I did something else. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's fantastic. So now we have to figure out why your brain had you do that instead of this. And we're not going to force you to do it this way. Let's do it the way your brain wants to do it. Like checking email or spending time scrolling on your phone. Mm-hmm. We all pretend like we can just not do those things. But that's not true. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So instead, schedule scrolling into your day. Right, right, right. Yep. Like, allow yourself to be mindless and just scroll a place to a game on your phone. Right. The time at which you do that varies for each person. So managing your own time. But then, and in conjunction with, is stop trying to do it all yourself. There's a difference between being the head of a company and doing the things that only you can do and delegating them out the rest of the stuff as much as possible. To give yourself some space Mm -hmm. so that, A, you can actually be the CEO, leader, visionary of your company, Mm -hmm. be the face of your company, help grow your company, work on your company, as most people would say. Instead of having your hands in every single pie and not being able to have that kind of vision. Mm -hmm. And so I help people with figuring out what to delegate, how to delegate, how to hire the right people, 
who to hire first, how to afford to hire it, them, mm-hmm. all in the name of manipulating time. Mm. I've heard it said like buying your time back. And sometimes that's literally spending dollars. And I think as a, especially a solo entrepreneur or an entrepreneur that doesn't have a lot of employees, I think it's super, sometimes super challenging to make that leap um, because there's this misbelief or misunderstanding that, that only you can do it. And I guarantee you, when you die, somebody else will be doing what you're doing, whatever that is. You know, you get hit by a car tomorrow. You have a heart attack in the middle of the night. I'm not pushing this on anybody. But the, whatever you've been doing vocationally, if it involves other people, they'll figure out a way to have get somebody else to do it. I don't care who you are, right? I don't care if you're the right. president. Not only that, I, there are probably people out there who do it better than Better, you. yeah, totally. There's a lot of sports analogies, I think, in business and business coaching. But you, you, you don't have a, a soccer team or a football team or a basketball. It doesn't matter what team. If there's a team, it's not that everybody plays every position, right? If, if it's football, you don't have the quarterback also playing the fullback and the tight end and the kicker, yeah, right? That's not how they and the do it. isn't out there doing the play. <laughs> That's right. And, the, and in this case, the analogy is that at some point, if you're a business owner or, or even a manager, you want to move to the coaching spot. And then if you get really good at balance, I think you actually move to the owner's box. Absolutely. Right? And so you become the, the conductor. Right? right. You become the conductor where you're, you can see the whole thing, you can see all the parts moving, and you can see what is coming down in the future. Like there's a much higher level of you and that's where strategy really, really makes a difference. Mm -hmm. That's where vision really makes a difference. But you can't have those things if your fingers are always, you know, you're trying to be on the field doing all of the positions. Right, totally, totally, totally. And so, yeah, that's the, I guess the challenge to all of us because it doesn't matter what level, it doesn't matter if we're a solo entrepreneur, you know, a manager at a company, an employee at a company, or a publicly traded CEO, there's always a next level. There's always more refinement that we could do to schedule, to time, to delegation, right? It doesn't mean having to get up at 5 a.m. every morning. Right. Right? It doesn't mean that. Right. And a lot of people, you know, still follow those ideals like oh we have to get up at 5 a.m to be successful and do you know a million things before we even step foot in front of our computer or whatever no we don't know that for, yeah and you know i found some of the most highly effective i'll say effective people are the people that most control their schedule and most control their schedule from distractions of the outside right i mean when they're at a certain level of just not productivity but just efficiency they're super regimented and when they like check email, when they answer their phone, they've got their schedule dialed in to have the play time and the rejuvenation time. There's people that are highly dysfunctional that have tons of money and they make tons of money, but they're highly dysfunctional, right? And they're on Prozac and they're stressed out and their relationships are shit and they're making ton of money. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm saying again, fulfilled, I guess. People who are highly fulfilled, they're allocating their time in ways for the most part in control of, I would say. Right. They feel proactive versus reactive. They're they're saying this is my like you were talking earlier. They have planned their schedule. They plan their day to feel fulfilled. Part of what I do is with a team of people is we coach people on how to invest in real estate and how to make money in residential real estate. So one of our students reached out to me and he was like, hey, you know, I want to learn more about positivity. And we got to talk and I said, hey, I've really changed my routine around 
you know, I don't check email in the morning. I don't check voicemail. I mean, until 11 o'clock in the morning, I've set my schedule up. So that's my first meeting. And then I'm actually checking email and everything after that. So I, I still want to be responsible. I still want to do stuff done, but I'm going to take the morning to kind of do my planning to do for me, physical exercise, whether that's hiking or working out, um, spending some time in scripture for me. I mean, I, I really want to set the day so that when I engage in the day, I, I can take on those things. And no matter what challenge comes, I'm more prepared. I'm not going to say that I'm going to get it right, <laughs> but I'm more prepared. And it just is a lot less stressful feeling because he was talking about the first thing he does, which I know most I did for a long time. You know, the first thing he does when he wakes up is he checks his phone and starts going through email and seeing what he's going to have to deal with in the day. And I was like, we got to, you know, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> I'm just going to not, I'm not going to beat not, around the bush. It's not <laughs> as effective. As right. Yeah, right? totally. It doesn't right. set you up to have the best day that you can have. Right. Yep. And you can have a better day. You can go to bed feeling better than you did yesterday if you do something else first thing in the morning. You know, and I've also found, uh, so for two years or three, two or three years, I had an assistant at the time. And so and that I don't now, but I stopped checking my own email. I was like, I'm going to have my assistant check my email. And I didn't check email at all for like three years, but I was still being efficient because my assistant would be like, okay, I'm, she was checking my email. And then once business stuff shifted around during COVID and post COVID, I didn't really need an assistant anymore because I was actually more efficient and I still don't have email on my cell phone but I have it on my computer. And so I now, instead of being the reactive like rabbit that every time the bell dings or the, you know, the Pavlov's theory of the dogs, every time the bell dings, I salivate. Now it's kind of like, okay, now I still get texts and phone calls on my, and I still have social media on my phone, but none of that really causes me any stress, stress. It's the email that would be the challenge, the business challenges. So it's like, okay, when I've got my kind of game face on and I'm ready for my day, then I can check me out. And honestly, I look forward to it now. Before I used to dread it. It was like, what's going to be in there, right? What's going to be in there? What's going to hit me? What's going to set me off today? Right, right, right. What's going to, yeah, what what am I going to have to yeah, put up with or deal with? or what's cha- yep. And now it's almost like, oh, I'm just really curious what's in my email today. And now it's to a point where it's like, yeah, it's it's almost fun in a game. Versus before it seemed like this punishing thing that I had to deal with, right? I had to deal with email. And now it's like, oh, this is fun again. (laughs) But I had to have that, for me, that break. And so I'm certainly not encouraging anybody to not. To just stop reading their email. Right, to stop reading your email because that's not realistic either. No more than you're going to stop scrolling or stop doing some of the things that help your mind decompress. But then schedule it so that you're going to be most effective and most efficient. And, you know, I've found that really, if I just take 30 minutes to an hour to just address whatever emails come in that day, I pretty much knock it all out. Or, you know, a lot of times it's people with questions and you're responding to a question and then they're going to have to get back to you. But it's email. You don't have to answer every email in that minute. That is what is key is learning the difference between urgency. Right. And important. Right. Because Mm -hmm. everything is urgent then nothing gets done properly. Right. Yep. But if you can identify, oh, this actually needs to be answered in the next yep. 10 minutes, and most things do not, and important, you can decide when you're going right. to respond to that. You can also decide who might respond to that. That might right. not be right. you. Right. Right. And I love that you had your assistant doing your email for you. 
one of my clients actually has a company that does that. Oh, that's very cool. People. Uh And she's been extremely successful because once people figure out that they don't have to do their own email, that there's Mm -hmm. actually really well-structured processes for making sure that nothing falls Mm -hmm. through the cracks, Mm -hmm. it's a game changer. It's a total game changer. I wanted to say, too, as going back is, you know, most people think when they're delegating that they have to have an employee. Well, having employees is great. And in some cases, you really do need an employee. I have lots of clients who've become very successful and they're about to, and I've one who's getting ready to sell her business and her entire business runs on independent contract. Yeah. But that's what I've shifted to as well. I was just getting ready to, yes, yeah, I'll step right in there because, yeah, I had an assistant, full time assistant for 18 years. And she actually was the one that initiated. She said, Matt, I'm, I need to go on and do something else. We're just kind of staying here and you're, you're shifting and your businesses. Are, and I was like, okay, thank you. And, and then I had to shift, but what I shifted to was actually probably more efficient and more fluid because I have a part-time contractor. I may pay not even $200 a month that literally sorts my mail. Oh, cause I'm not at the physical location where my mail goes. So they sort mm-hmm. it and then they file it electronically so that if I need it for taxes or what. So that's sorting my mail. And then they just give me, you know, an email that has everything that came in, like typically bills and stuff. And then I've got an accounting lady that does accounting for me that's a contractor. And so she's handling kind of the day-to-day bills and getting it prepared. And then we talk about it once a week and kind of decide what's due when and how to pay. And yeah, it's become so much more efficient than I ever thought it could be because I've got these people in my life who are not employees that don't require near the pay of what a full-time employee does. They've got other revenue? Yes, Right. Yep. So they yep. don't require, you're not the end all be all. Right. 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 Which is really takes stress off. Yeah. And you don't have to manage them. Like, I mean, I don't have to figure out how to fill their day. Right. Yep. <laughs> to your exactly. point. Right. Right. It's not like, oh, okay. I'm paying this person 40 hours a week. I need to have them doing stuff. It's like, no, no, no. They're getting paid when they do stuff. And, and now with overseas, you know, contractors, you know, it's the cost benefit is just even increased. You know, there's just certain things you know, with IT and graphic design and that you can like for pennies on the dollar, what you used to pay, you can get stuff done. It's just the world's definitely shifting in that way. That's a really hard concept for me. You know, my husband is a union organizer. (laughs) Unions are really big in my household. Oh my. That's really hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because on one hand, I'm a business owner and I counsel business owners. On the other hand, I really believe that people, you know, need to make a living wage and of course. And, and all of that stuff. And I, I actually find myself coming up against this uh-huh. laundry a, quite a bit because, you know, there is ways to get things done much, much cheaper. Uh-huh. And so then looking at the costs in other ways, too. But you have to bring that up. I'm yeah, sorry. And, I'll put up and, now. That's politics. No, no, no. It, actually, no. I had that same moral dilemma until I... For me personally, I, I actually looked into it more and started talking to people in these countries. You know, the Philippines is a yeah. prime example, right? So in the Philippines, yeah. a lot of customer service stuff, a lot of tech support, and you're maybe paying 5 to $10 an hour for something you would pay, you know, in a European country or the States, probably $20, $25, $30 an hour for. Because I had that same thing. I was like, why would they, aren't I taking advantage? And that doesn't seem fair. But then when you look at the cost of living, $10 an hour in the Philippines is like somebody making eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000 a year in the States, right? Just it's a different cost of living. So 
So it's kind of like then it becomes, okay, am I, am I American, which I am, or am I more expansive than that? Right. And so we have a virtual team now in the real estate coaching business. And, you know, some of our people are overseas and some of them are in the state, depending on what skill set we need. We don't necessarily just say, hey, let's try to hire everybody at six bucks an hour. You know, we've got people making, you know, a good living for the United States as well. It's just kind of what skill set do we, so it's a blend, I guess was my point. But I realized, you know, if I'm going to donate to the organization that takes care of kids overseas and do things like that, and it's like, well, if I'm financially supporting people overseas anyway, this is just the same. And I'm not trying to sell you. I'm just telling you my own, my own process was (laughs) why would they deserve jobs too? And if it's like, I'm not going to be able to afford to hire it done because of where we're at in this business cycle, or I can hire it done and then we can grow then that's also good for them and good for us and good for the people we serve. So it's just been interesting because that's been probably only the last year that we've started using a blend. As we became more and more virtual, it just made more and more sense. So like video editors and graphic design people and some of those, some of them, not all of them, but some of those are overseas now. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I think that as we become more global, mm-hmm. You know, as a traveler, I've been traveling since I was nine months old. I've always said that when you travel, mm-hmm. when you go to different cultures, where you go to different countries, humans all want the same thing. You know, make sure there's enough food and shelter and all of that stuff. And what they want is they want happiness. Right. And they want their kids to be happy. They want them to be happy, themselves to mm-hmm. be happy. It breeds tolerance because everybody has a different way of getting there. Mm-hmm. There are different methods methods and thoughts and ways and right and so as we become global citizens i think this whole idea of if you're going to use contractors mm-hmm. you have to look at the whole breadth of contractors right yeah out there. and yeah. what is it that you're really looking for and what do you need and what's the most important priority that you have is it money is it in the same time zone you know for some right. clients they yep. need to have somebody in the same time zone as them mm-hmm. so that really narrows the field down Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, yeah. So what parting thought do we want to, as we talk about today, you know, if there was one message that we wanted to impart or you wanted to impart to all of the people listening, but then let's say, pretend like it was, went to every human being on the face of the earth. Of all the 8 billion of, of the other ants that are crawling around this rock could get one message from you. What would you want that message to be? Light and business are really journeys of personal development and growth. Mm-hmm. And there's no right way to do that. There's no comparing yourself to anybody else along that journey because we're all different. We all come with different strengths. We all come with different focuses, with different priorities. And if all you do, all you know is to always look for how you can be better for Mm -hmm. yourself, it's a competition against yourself, not against anybody else. Right? Can I feel better today? I have a better day today than I did yesterday. What will it take for me to have a better today than I did yesterday? That's really what this whole thing is about. I love it. I love it. Well, how do people find you? Websites, danacory.com? danacory.com. Yep. And if you actually, you know how everybody has pop-ups and stuff. Uh-huh. Like if you go and you actually uh, sign up, I have a list of resources, uh-huh. like books that I give my clients to read. Mm-hmm. Products, talks that I have them watch, stuff that helps in this journey to being a CEO and a leader in your company. 
Perfect. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate those resources. So, well, thank you so much for coming on and feel free to come on anytime you've got something you want to visit about or interesting change in your life or something. We'd love to have you back on and visit more about everything we talked about today, time management, mental things, ways to shift your mental perspective and outcome. And hopefully we're inspiring. You know, I know you're inspiring. I think hopefully through the show, we're inspiring people to live a little bit better yeah. tomorrow than they are today and, and little improvements here and there and then also give themselves grace when there's you know two steps forward and one step back you're going to get there exactly love that thanks matt thanks yes. for the invitation and thanks for having me yep thank you so much dana thank you for being a part of the bright vibe podcast for more information go to brightvibe.com that's b-r-i-t-e vibe v-i-b-e.com thank you for listening mm-hmm.